Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This is the Rich Eisen Show. Are you surprised Bill Belichick's not uh, working as a head coach? Live from the Rich Eisen Show studio in Los Angeles. I am, but I'm also not. The Rich Eisen Show. How about Mike Vrabel not being a head coach right now? Why? A lot of times people think billion-dollar companies make no mistakes. And a 32 of them made a mistake in the last couple of weeks. Earlier on the show, Chargers head coach Jim Harbaugh, Michigan head coach Sharon Moore. Coming up, NFL Network insider Tom Pelissero. And now, it's Rich Eisen. Our number three of the Rich Eisen show is on the air. Tom Pelissero is going to be joining us shortly right here on the program. 844-204-RICH, number to dial. Um, so much to talk about with Tom, as always, with the NFL being uh, right in the middle of our sports world in a big way, the biggest possible way next week in Las Vegas, Nevada. We are going to announce our guest list at the end of this hour of our three shows in Las Vegas. Can't wait to let everyone know um, uh, what we're doing. And it's going to be awesome. And we're thrilled uh, in advance of what we're about to be able to bring to you. Uh, and bring the big game and the feeling of what it's going to be like to be in Las Vegas for a sports, uh, for a Super Bowl, for a sports week like that. I can't wait for that. 844-204-RICH being uh, the number to dial. We'll take some phone calls coming up before Tom. Um, and uh, I, I do want to hit this, though, because, listen, I, I've I've had um, my, uh, my fun and – Sometimes played up for a little bit of extra fun, but deep down um, throughout the years of this program, almost 10 years long, um, it has been a frustrating, angering experience being a Nick fan because of their owner, James Dolan, whose sphere I can't wait to go to on Wednesday next week. It'll be fun, Rich. I look forward to it. Where are we sitting? I don't know yet. So... um, (laughs) But I, I bring it up because it's just an, an angering, frustrating experience watching a team flounder. One of my one of my teams growing up. Everyone who, who might be a, f- a fan of this show knows I'm a I'm a Jet fan, a Yankee fan, Michigan obviously. Um, but the Knicks were go, going to Madison Square Garden on Christmas days or. Um, any other big events in Madison Square Garden is just a, a a a warm, fuzzy feeling of of my childhood. And growing up and loving Bernard King and him going back to back fifty point games on a Texas swing once and making cover a cover of Sports Illustrated and then the Knicks getting Patrick Ewing but only having Bernard and Ewing together for about a cup of coffee, and then of course Ewing having the unfortunate experience of playing in the Michael Jordan era, collegiate and professional. And then the the Spreewell, Grandmama, Larry Johnson, Pat Riley era. I mean, it goes on and on and on and on. But I, I, I've lived and I've died with it. And then when Charles Oakley got 
dragged out of Madison Square Garden and 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 Dolan didn't lift a finger, it just destroyed me. And I'm like, you know what? I, I just can't. I can't buy in. I can't buy in. And um, and I would say that over and over here from here. And I don't care if this is going to be a pushback from anybody saying, well, I'm a Fairweather fan because the Knicks haven't won anything yet. But there's one individual who has pulled me back in just when I thought it was out forever. Pulled me back in. And his name is Jalen Brunson. I cannot get enough of him. He's one of my favorite Knicks of all time. He's one of my favorite New York athletes of all time. And I know he's not, you know, a New York, you know, athlete by uh, birth, right? But him being signed by the Knicks as a free agent out of Dallas, I didn't, I, I, this is beyond my wildest dreams. I think it's beyond any Knicks fan's wildest dreams, you know? Now, Brunson does have some history with the Knicks, obviously, with his dad and who's been around the team as a kid. But I don't think anybody looks at him and goes, well, you know what? He's a Big East guy, went to Villanova. But here he is, one of the great New York athletes ever. What he's pulling off, what he's making of himself, what he is doing. And much was made last week when he was not announced as a an all-star starter. That went to Damian Lillard and, you know, Lillard... Shows up in the Eastern Conference, takes a spot, <laughs> and it's it's well deserved for career. But if you're talking about what you're doing this year, and then you find out that part of the equation that went into Lillard being a starter, you know, boiled down to him getting more fan votes, and that kind of lit up New York in a way, and folks lighting up New York from outside saying the fans let him down, and that's not fair, you know. But I get it. Yesterday, though, he was announced as an all-star reserve, first time as an all-star. And he goes out and he drops 40 on the Pacers in Madison Square Garden. 40. And the Knicks just coming off of a 14-win January, are now, they're now shooting up like a, like a rocket in the Eastern Conference right now. Let me just make sure I'm getting this correct. I saw it before. I want to make sure I'm getting it accurately. Uh, the New York Knicks are a half game behind the Milwaukee Bucks right now, 32-17. and 17. And they're like a game against the Pacers in the past have been like, okay, you know, nice month. Pacers, good team. They could come in and start beating up the Knicks. And and this video of uh Lefrac City's own Kenny Smith saying how the Knicks back in the day or recent days, I don't know where this video is from, but the Knicks, when they take the court, the problem why the Knicks will always be in the middle of the conference is because when they take the court in their conference, they'll always have the second best player on the court. That's changed. Or at least I feel it has. I love watching him play. 
He just lights that place up, man. And what he's made of himself. What he's made of himself. Beyond my wildest dreams of him signing with this team and doing what he's doing right now. So after he dropped 40 on the Pacers to keep the hot January cascading into February, and the rest of the teams lighten it up too without Julius Randle now. What Hartenstein had a 17 rebound game, right? And that's without Mitchell Robinson. So they're without Robinson and they're without Randle right now. And they're playing better. Because they've got that heartbeat right in the middle, dropping uh, dropping 40. Brunson was asked after the game, he's on a microphone, and Madison Square Garden's listening in about what it meant for him to drop 40 and finally be an all-star. Jalen, that looked like a prize fight. How did that feel? Ooh. That was fun. That was The night started with you being named to your first All-Star game. Just talk about the journey you've been on and how it has reached this point now where you're on the garden floor hearing MVP chance and you're going to the All-Star game. I mean... I got, I got nothing to say. I got nothing to say. All right, then talk about your teammates, because I know you will. You guys are shorthanded playing this game. This is a tough game. This is a big Eastern Conference game. What did you see out of this group, where mainly seven guys played, but yet fought back from down 15 to win? We kept fighting, man. I mean, no matter what, we're going to keep fighting. That's what we do. Don't keep fighting every single night. That's what we do. Especially here, man. This place is unbelievable. Especially here. Congratulations, Jalen. Thank you so much. I mean, my gosh. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Tom Thibodeau, after the game, was uh, asked about um, his ascension as well because he was an assistant on uh, a team that that, uh, Jalen's dad, Rick, who's now on the staff, uh, played on back in the 90s. And they're seeing a similar feeling come over the garden again because it's Rick's kid who's dominate, dominant right now. Hit it. It's surreal. You know, it's to, you know, I think back to like when he was a kid coming here in the nineties and you never know, like you, you knew he was a great kid. He has always had that. And he was funny and he was entertaining. He made everyone laugh, but he was so serious. Uh, even then, you know, like whether he was doing, you know, an imitation of, Latrell Sprewell or Alan Houston or Larry Johnson or Patrick. It was, and he had it spot on. He was like six and he had all their moves down, you know. And so, and then, you know, following him through high school and then, you know, Villanova and and then his pro career. And each step of the way, there's always been naysayers and he always proves them wrong. And uh, it's great for the family too. Like what Rick has put in, and not only Rick, but his wife, Sandra, and uh, Jalen's sister. I mean, it's been a family commitment, and to see it, it's uh, special. Pretty cool. Now I just got to go do it from here. Uh-huh. 
I mean, they're 32 and 17. Balling. Last time they were this record, they made the finals. And now the Knicks are being talked about as a legit championship contender. We'll have to see. I mean, we'll have to see. Doing it in a uh, you know, week before the trade deadline is one thing. Doing it when it's an Eastern Conference semifinal or a finals against uh, you know, the Bucks, or the Celtics, or anything like that. We'll see. But right now, it's a hell of a ride. A hell of a ride. And I, I just love, I, he's one of my favorite Knicks ever. I would put him up there. Pretty sweet to see. Yeah, he's easier to root for. Yeah. Certainly coming from a, from New York. You know, he's from, he was born in New Brunswick, Mikey. His, fa- his family, his family uh, settled in Cherry Hill, New Jersey. That's south. Yeah. Right. Well, because they, you know, and then Central Jersey, New Brunswick, and then he, um, and then he uh, wound up going to play his high school ball in Illinois. At one point, and he went to the same, uh, I think, high school as Adam, in in Illinois, right? Yeah, right. So I mean, he's got some New York roots, but he's he's got he's is he's a new, he is a New York superstar athlete right now, and um, I I love watching him take it over. It's so great, man. I just remember everyone laughed at the Knicks when they gave him that huge oh, contract. I, and now what? What? Because no really saw this coming. Well, he thought he was a number two. You're like, oh, you're paying all that I, money for a guy who's a number two at best. I, I, I would love to sit here and say yeah. the Knicks saw this in him. I don't think you could have. Yeah. He's a guy who's fifth in MVP odds right now. Like, is he really? Yeah. He deserves it, don't you think? He's he's really climbed. A couple days ago, he was 150, 200 to one on the sites. Now he's 50 to one. He's same odds as Tatum. Well, certainly now that's right behind that top group of now we don't know when Embiid's coming yeah, back. Luka, Jokic, and uh, SGS. So you know, I mean, right speak, there. speaking of which, we're going to praise guards who went off last night. I got to give a shout out to Tyrese Maxey, who Brockman left on his bench in fantasy. You must that must 50, have been by mistake. Well, he, yeah, he was night. injured, and I was being oh. a great dad. And didn't check my lineup beforehand. Got it. Yeah. An injury, true, too. I don't know if you saw it. After the game, he was like, you know, my ankle's still hurting. I probably shouldn't be playing. He goes, but with the big man out, I owed it to my teammates. And yeah. he stepped up in a huge way last night. So, you know, guys getting picked, the all-star reserves, some of those guys, they, they showed out last night, man, between Brunson, yep. Maxie, a couple other guys. They, they wanted to prove that they belong. And they did it last night. Right now, the Knicks are third. We'll see if the Bucks can actually win one with Doc, right? Eventually, oh, it'll happen. Too. I know. You like pointing that out. It may not. I mean, they could, you, know, you never know. <laughs> like I said yesterday, Rich, Chris is, 96 minutes is all Chris is <laughs> willing to give this Bucks team led by Doc Rivers. That's all they've had so far, Chris. Let's take a break. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Before all I let right. you know, before I let you know, uh, game time tickets right now, all users can get $100 off when they buy a big game ticket with code Vegas100. And if you're looking for tickets for a big game, game time is the perfect way to find it. Not only is it fast and easy, and it's for any event near you, baseball, basketball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more, but when you want to buy a ticket to the big game, you want to, big game, you want to obviously know how much it's going to cost all in, yeah. and you definitely 
Do you think Bert Kreischer would have wanted to see the view from his seats <laughs> last year? Absolutely. Uh, Before he bought? Yeah. He's very worried. Yeah. I'm just saying. Yeah. Yes. He didn't get his you tickets wanna, from them. You want to see the view from your seat. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> and game time lets you do that with complete peace of mind before you purchase. Take the guesswork out of buying tickets with Game Time. And again, right now, all Game Time users can get $100 off a big game ticket with code VEGAS100. Restrictions apply. Visit GameTime.co for terms. Just download the Game Time app and use code VEGAS100 for $100 off a big game ticket. Or if you're not going to the game, use code RICH for $20 off your first purchase. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Tommy P. Tommy P. When we come back. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Just Capital is a nonprofit that tracks which companies are a force for good. Companies like Bank of America, which just earned the Just Capital seal. Bank of America is ranked number one for ongoing commitment to their workers with initiatives like Sharing Success, which awarded 97% of their teammates additional compensation, nearly all in stock. This is the program's seventh consecutive year, awarding more than $4.8 billion in total. Visit JustCapital.com to learn how a just business is a better business. Furnished by Just Capital. All right, Tommy P. going to join us. Is he checking in? Oh, yeah. Is he checking in? He's getting his <laughs> hotel situated, uh, the lighting situation. Uh, okay. Down, oh, in, down in Mobile. Oh, is, is that right? <laughs> yeah. He's going to work. Tommy looked great. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Can you see the box where you put the quarters in so the bed shakes? Can you see that? <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> so, no, seriously, whenever I whenever is, is, I zoom is in, his when, bed in the shape of a circle or whenever, a heart. When I, whenever I whenever I zoom in from a hotel, sure. I just I just need to make sure you I'm know. I, I don't like showing the bed. You know what I mean? It's just because it's it's never made. Never. You know. I mean, you could make your bed in a hotel. By the way, your mic. Yeah, you we saw we yeah. saw you zooming from a hotel, and your room was immaculate. Well, that's because it was in Germany, and it was at night. I wanted that piece of and bar so, in the and so so I made sure there was turndown service before ever I zoomed in to our program. You don't, you don't make the bed in a hotel when you after you're done sleeping. Never. Are you seriously asking that question? <laughs> the guy that keeps thirty. You make your bed yeah. in a hotel? Yeah. After you get up? No I way. I do. You I make your bed. I no. do. Before, no. like, for, before somebody c- comes in and provides that service. Oh, I, I don't have. I don't get he service. Let people in for like, We don't get service every, every. If day. I'm there for like two or three days, We've I don't get service. Yeah. You don't let. You don't let people in. Yeah, I, don't, I, don't I don't want people in my room. Yeah. I'm with him. What do you mean people in your room? What are you doing in your room? You don't want people in your room. Yeah, you know, it's a, I don't a want sanctuary. people in my room. Yeah, I'm the same way. What do you mean? I don't have to pick up my drawers and yeah. stuff. Yeah, I don't know, want people just, in my room. Oh, I do that. It's only two you days. Don't just leave I, don't, I don't need to turn down for two days. Yeah. I, I don't need turn on service if I'm there for two or three days. That do not disturb is on there. How messy are you making your room that you need to Not at all. Not at all. No. Yeah. Not at all. I'll get a towel. Not at all. So why can't you make your bed? Get out of here. I do <laughs> that. <laughs> what? Oh, my like back. <laughs> That's animal. Back on the Rich Eisen Show Radio Network. 
sitting at the Rich Eisen Show desk, furnished by Granger. It's supplies and solutions for every industry. Granger has the right product for you. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Still to come, uh, our phone calls with our fans. And then we'll let you know what our guest list is for next week's shows in Las Vegas for Super Bowl 58. Joining us from Mobile, Alabama, where he is part of NFL Network Senior Bowl coverage, our friend Tom Palacero back here. How are you doing, Tommy P? Tommy P. How are you, Tom? Tommy! Doing great, Rich. Uh, what's up to the fellows in the studio? Hey, hey. Tom. Oh, 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 what happened? Oh, no. He faded to black. What happened? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Oh, hey. What happened there? over here. I don't know. Everything just dropped off. Good to see you, Tom. So maybe Brockman pulled the uh, pulled the covers over my head while he was making the bet. There he is. Hey, now. <laughs> He's here all week trying to feel that type of guy. That's nice Tom guy. Pelissero, everybody. <laughs> What's the scuttlebutt down there? What is it? Because if, it, if this, is, this, is, this is just like the combine. I remember I did a couple of these senior bowl. The whispering, the, the recriminations, everyone's saying that team stinks. I can't believe that coach did this. I can't believe that. I mean, it's it must be nonsense. The crap that must be poured in your ear and everybody trying to pull stuff out of you must be insane down there, Tom. Am I right? What do you got? I mean, a lot of it is because there's literally been, I mean, how many head coach and coordinator hires? A dozen since I got here on right. Monday. So there are literally people who you see one day wearing a hoodie with one logo on it. And then mm-hmm. the next day, they're just wearing no logo clothes because they have switched teams while they're here, a few years ago, Alex Van Pelt, who just yesterday became the Patriots offensive coordinator, was here. That was when they had full staffs. He was here with the Bengals staff. And then on, like, Wednesday, he took a job with the Browns, and I think he just disappeared. He just left. That was it. That's this time of year. Um, we actually had fewer head coaching open seat, head coaching vacancies coming into this week than we did a year ago. Last year, it was four out of the five. Sean Payton got traded during Senior Bowl week. You had D'Amico Ryans got hired, and then obviously the two Eagles coordinators weren't until after the Super Bowl here. So we did get to the end of the head coaching cycle. We are quickly approaching the end of the coordinator cycle, and there's still a whole bunch of people who are kind of scrambling and trying to figure out where they're going to be working in 2024. What's your reporting on why Ben Johnson stayed put while the commander's uh, were literally in the air to come speak with him and Aaron Glenn and how it wound up with Dan Quinn. I would say this, Rich. There's been a lot of questionable information that has been floated about Ben Johnson, his intentions, what exactly happened. Oftentimes, the simplest solution is the correct one. And for Ben Johnson, from my understanding, this came down to he really likes his job in Detroit. He's not a guy who is super motivated by money. He's got a young family. He's very loyal to Dan Campbell, and he wants to take another run. The guy's 37 years old. He figures those head coaching openings and those head coaching opportunities are going to be out there for him in the future. We all know things can change quickly, and if the Lions go 6-11 and 11 next year, maybe it's not there for him. I, I personally think that it's refreshing when you have somebody who doesn't just jump at the very first opportunity. Ben Johnson, two years in a row, has done this. Last year, he got on the plane. He quite possibly would have been the Panthers head coach. This year, he had conversations with a handful of teams. The commanders had wanted to interview him for a second time. The Seahawks did interview him for a second time. But this was you know, literally hours after they had gotten back on the flight from the 49ers. He went through the process with the Seahawks, but it already sounded like he knew this just wasn't the time. He didn't feel inside himself. Like, this was the time. So much like D'Amico Ryans a couple of years ago when he pulled out of the Minnesota Vikings search, said, hey, I could use another year. I like being in San Francisco. I want to continue to learn. 
Ben Johnson doing the same thing here. It was not about monetary demands. It was not about you know people being scared off. It certainly wasn't about the commanders wanting to go a different direction. He was a top candidate from the start for Washington. In the end, he decided he wasn't going to leave. Commanders end up with Dan Quinn, and we'll see how that plays out for everybody in 2024. Why did um, Bill Belichick not wind up with a gig, do you think? With Bill Belichick, you're talking about, a you know, obviously, one of the greatest, if not the greatest coach of all time. But you're also talking about somebody who is 72 years old and is going to, if he takes a job, want to do things a certain way. I, I've seen all the stuff about he wanted all the power, and I don't think that that's the right way to look at this. He wanted the opportunity to build things the way that Bill Belichick has built them for several decades now. I mean, going back to his days in Cleveland, he's always had in his contract that he there won't be a general manager employed, that he has control over personnel. He's going to want to set certain things up in terms of you know, different departments and the structure of things and the operational people. He has a very clear vision for this is how you build a championship culture. And so to bring in a 72-year-old who wants to, you know, at least change the way that you're set up in certain regards is a lot for teams to take in. And the Atlanta Falcons were the ones who went the deepest in that process through the course of this offseason. There were many discussions with Arthur Blank. He had the one that was reported as the initial interview. That was with Blank. He went to Atlanta, went through their process with the car wash, and Belichick all the way up until the day Raheem Mahorris was hired was still preparing as if he may well be the Falcons head coach. They decided based on a multitude of factors that Raheem Morris, a guy who had been in their building before was going to be the better fit for them. You know, there were certainly, you know, at various points there, there was interest from Bill Belichick's end and perhaps from people in Washington about maybe making him the commander's head coach. But Josh Harrison company had a different vision for what they wanted that job to be. I have no doubt, Rich, that Bill Belichick now still intends to coach in 2025. But for 2024, that perfect opportunity with a team that is ready-made to win right now and that is willing to let him set up the structure, set up the entire championship program the way that he always has throughout his entire career, that didn't exist. And so we'll see where it lands next year. Where does he do this year? Any talk about that? There's a lot of different things that potentially could happen on the media side. I, I think that Bill Belichick probably would benefit from going out and being the guy that we've seen him be on the, the NFL 100 shows on college game day, where there's a lot to Bill Belichick. He's not the guy who gives three word answers four days a week to the reporters when he's at the podium. Like everybody who knows Bill says he's a funny guy and he's, he's very engaging. Um, so showing a little bit more of, of that side of himself, potentially could help. I mean, does he end up on, you know, I, I find it hard to believe that he's going to be a color analyst and traveling around and speaking in 20 second sound bites, but you know, him in a studio setting, I would listen to a Bill Belichick podcast. There's a lot of different things that he can do, but think of it in, the, in these terms too, Rich, whatever he's doing this year, it's not about Bill all of a sudden, you know, pulling the pin out of the grenade and going crazy and, you know, ripping everybody. He's still going to be setting himself up for whatever he's going to be doing. A year from now, there are probably some strategic things that he can do. And, you know, you're fooling yourself too, Rich, if you don't think there are going to be owners and may already be owners who might have a vacancy a year from now that will be keeping close tabs and perhaps contact with Bill Belichick as things play out. Tom Pelissero here on the Rich Eisen Show. Why didn't Vrabel wind up with a gig? 
Vrabel wanted to coach by all appearances. He interviewed with the Chargers. He interviewed with the Falcons. He had that interview that never really happened with Carolina. And quite frankly, I'm not sure it ever really was going to happen. It seemed more like a, a way to try to get Atlanta to move on him. Um, you know, with Vrabel, there's a lot to, you know, to unpack there too. He's another guy who, you know, wants things to be structured a certain way. But I think even more so, you know, the Mike Vrabel brand got tarnished a little bit, quite frankly. I mean, they lost 18 of their last 24 games during his time in Tennessee. Everything that played out this year was very strange in terms of going to New England for that, you know, red jacket ceremony and saying the things he did at halftime and sitting in Robert Kraft's box to all these reports about his frustration, everything else that, you know, became this media thing, but he never actually tackled, never shot them down or addressed them with the people in the building. I think that also what you're really seeing here is teams are looking at some of the other teams that have had recent success here and seeing you can do it in more of a positive reinforcement type of a culture. You know, D'Amico Ryan's Dan Campbell are two of the really good examples of that. And that's not to say that certain players don't enjoy working with Mike Vrabel, but your environment's going to be a little bit different with Vrabel than it might be uh, with some of the coaches that we've seen hired in this cycle. I think that's the predominant trend. If you look across from Dan Quinn to Mike McDonald to Raheem Morris to Antonio Pierce to Gerard Mayo, I mean, go down the list, Brian Callahan, they're all positive reinforcement types of guys. They all have different personalities, but you're building this, you know, we hear all these buzzwords from owners, collaboration and a unity, a, you know, a single vision. Those are the things that you're looking for here. I, I got no doubt that Mike Vrabel, if he wanted to come back and be a D coordinator, he can do that. If he wants to potentially go to you know the college route or be in the NFL next year, I think he'll have the opportunity to do that. But it didn't really line up. And I think that part of that is because of the way things played out in Tennessee. Everybody sat back and said, how in the world are the Titans not going to trade somebody who's so highly regarded? Well, forget the trade. They fired him and he didn't have that opportunity. That probably says there's certain things that are going to need to be cleaned up over the next 12 months. Yeah, I mean, Belichick's currently 71. Pete Carroll's currently 72. And the combined age of the coaches that replaced them are is 73. You know, so there's obviously a, um, a trend in that regard. Or it's just every year there's always going to be hot young coordinators that that owners would rather roll the dice on, if you will, and just assume that their body of work is something that will translate to them becoming in charge of the full program. Tom Pelissero here on the Rich Eisen Show. Is there anything to um, the college world becoming less attractive to coaches compared to the NFL because of what's going on at the collegiate level with recruiting and NIL and the the uh, portal and the lack of what appears to be enough guardrails. You know, you've got Jeff Halfley of Boston College taking a gig as a DC in Green Bay. And is there anything going on with Chip Kelly where he he would give up the UCLA head coaching job to become a coordinator in the NFL again, Tom? There is certainly a possibility we see Chip Kelly back as an OC in the NFL. He has been on list specifically with Dan Quinn. We'll see whether or not it actually you know comes to pass here. But you know, Chip has spoken on the NIL thing. All of a sudden, they're in the Big Ten, and every road trip is going to be a four-hour flight. Uh, there's a lot of factors here. Jeff Halfley, though, I'm a BC graduate, and so I, I you know, I've spent time with Jeff Halfley after he got the job. We have a lot of mutual friends because 
you know, he worked for the Kyle Shanahan staff in San Francisco. He spent like eight years uh, in the league. And so he was always, you know, when he first got the job, he was like, we got to get you out to a game. We got to get you out to a game. And so they finally had a Friday night home game because, as you know, Rich, we get a little busy Saturday. Yeah. So it's not a good time for me to be, uh, you know, having a few pops in the parking lot out there. But I, I went out because they had a Friday night game against Duke, and Hapley was like, "Come over, you know, come to the team meeting." So I was in there in the team meeting. We talked for quite a while. This is not this past fall. This is back in 2022. But you know, in that conversation we had that night, I, I could tell, and he gave a great breakdown of just kind of how complicated things are because think about this at a program like bc okay you're never going to have the big nil money it's just not going to happen you don't have donors the same way that you do at massive state universities or in the sec and some of those types of programs so halfley did a great job of recruiting if you look at his actual recruiting classes and where they ranked they were really good but there were very few players from the prior coaching staff who were even contributing as of 2022. I think it was like six or eight guys that were playing at all. And so Halfley has this great class. He's got all these freshmen. They end up playing a lot. Some of them play really well. So what happens? After the season now, SEC programs, big schools, are offering them six figures to transfer. So you're re-recruiting guys after the season. Then the guys that you get back, you go through spring ball, there's a second transfer window then mm. that exists. Now you're re-recruiting them a second time, and you can't just pay the way other schools, frankly, can to keep guys in-house. So it's this constant churn of not just getting the guys on campus, which Halfley did at a prestigious institution like BC that's not easy to get into, Rich. He, he had a lot of talent on that roster, but actually the retention and the fact that multiple times a year you can have players pulling away, and that's without even getting into the second free transfer and everything else that exists right now. I fear, as somebody who still likes to watch my alma mater play football, the programs like that are going to die. The programs like that are not going to be able to compete, and eventually it will end up being you'll have the upper tier of the schools. It'll be you know a dozen to two dozen of them, and then you'll have the second tier that are you know the BCs of the world, um, and that's unfortunate because part of the great thing about college football has always been you get matt ryan on campus and in 2007 they make a run and they're on the precipice of going into a, a championship situation i mean that's really cool that you can have the teams come from the middle or the bottom and go all the way to the top but it becomes that much more difficult when money rules things there's probably different things that need to be need to happen from a regulation standpoint to level the playing field a little bit here. But it, it's not a unique story to BC. There's a lot of those types of programs that are never going to be the blue bloods. They're never going to be the ones that just have massive, you know, oil money being pumped into the program all the time. It, it's just a tough place to win. And I know Jeff wanted also to get back to the NFL, focus on coaching football full time and not all the other stuff that comes with being a, a head coach right now. So they're at the Senior Bowl, uh, obviously. That's uh, that in the East-West Shrine game that happened on our network last night. We're in full bloom uh, with the talent evaluation portion of our calendar with one more actual, as we know, Super Bowl to be played on Sunday. So what are you hearing about any teams that might make the godfather offer to the Bears for the first overall pick? What do you have for me on that front so far? There are certainly teams that are going to be interested in trading up, Rich. And I would say this is one of those rare years where I don't know how much the teams drafted at the top are going to want to move. That's how good this quarterback class is regarded um, between Caleb Williams, Drake May, 
Jaden Daniels. There's potentially a few others that could go, um, you know, middle to bottom of the first round as well. One of them's here, Bo Nix, who I think uh, our buddy Daniel Jeremiah has like 14th or so in his uh, his first mock draft. Um, you know, you look at the teams right now that don't have quarterbacks. The Raiders are one in the middle of the first round that absolutely you could see trying to make a big move up. But well, they just got Kingsbury too, Tom, right? They just got uh, the guy who's been in Caleb Williams' ear and in, uh, in quarterback room. Oh. But think about this. Even if you're talking about the commanders moving up one spot, how good this class is and how highly people have Caleb Williams rated, that could be multiple first-round picks to jump one spot. Mm. If you're talking about coming from the middle of the first, the Vikings are, I mean, go down the list of teams that need a quarterback right now. To get all the way up into the top one, two, or three picks, it is going to be a massive offer. And this isn't the NBA. You can't trade you can't go all Oklahoma City and trade your first round pick like in like 2033. You can only go all three <laughs> years. So you have limited number of resources. A team like the Commanders, if anybody's going to make that godfather offer to go up, it might be them because they've got the extra two second round picks for trading those edge rushers. Um, they've certainly got some players on the roster that could move up as well. The Bears are going to be sitting there in a position where, you know, you brought in a new offensive staff that certainly appears to be geared toward bringing in a Caleb Williams. Um, you know, Caleb has certainly, uh, you know, grown up in and would like to be in a system that resembles the type of offense that Shane Waldron runs. Doesn't necessarily mean that's the direction that they're going to go. But, you know, you're three years into this thing with Justin Fields. You're now at the point where you either pay him or trade him. You could get significant trade value, I would think right now, out of Justin Fields. And if you're the Bears you buy yourself time because now you're not suddenly going up into that stratosphere of paying your quarterback, maybe not top dollar, but top 10 type of a money of money and bring in a Caleb Williams, then who can be the guy that you gal that galvanizes the entire program. These are decisions that are going to be made all the way up to the top of the organization with George McCaskey and Kevin Warren. We'll see exactly how this, uh, you know, the entirety of this plays out here, but you know, the bears have a big decision to make. I would say their actions to this point indicate that they would like to draft a quarterback at number one. Then you get into all the other situations of this Caleb Williams want to go to well, Chicago. That's too bad. Very- <laughs> <laughs> I'll be straight up. I know like you could sit here in this day and age that, you know, pull, pull, I guess a Manning family, but I, I don't know. I don't know about, about that. I mean, you could be, you could become the toast of Chicago sports. Just ask, you know, Michael Jordan what that feels like. And I, I, I know I'm throwing a huge name out there like that, but come on now. And and my question, uh, I guess, uh, on the offset, offshoot, before I let you go, is what what is Justin Fields' market right now on the uh, weekend before Super Sunday? I mean, as of now, there's no movement that I know of in terms of a deal being in the works. Again, if you're bringing him on, you're talking about building an offense around his skill set and knowing that you're going to have to pay him sooner than later. He's got, you know, year four this year. You have a decision to make immediately on the fifth year option, which, you know, you can you can certainly argue that both ways. There have been trades before, like when the Panthers traded for Sam Darnold picked up the option that didn't work out. There've been other times where teams decline the option and all of a sudden they're in a bind because the player goes out and, and plays really well. They're complicated trades when you're talking about quarterbacks in particular, but there are so many teams right now that need one. You would certainly anticipate the bears believe you can get something um, substantial for Justin Fields. Is that a first round pick? Potentially. 
it, it all depends on what the vision is, what team makes sense for him, and, and where exactly um, you know the Bears want to go. Tom, thanks for the time. Have a great Senior Bowl. See you out uh, uh, in Vegas, if not before. And um, you know, thanks for making the bed. Appreciate it. I, I did take the pillow out from underneath because when I initially framed up the shot, it looked like I had a body under there, and I thought that was <laughs> a lot of fun, uh, on the Rick Dyson show. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Rick. Smart move. Tom. Smart Attaboy. move. All right, Tom, Tom Pelissero, ladies and gentlemen, right there Attaboy. on the program. Enjoy. Round of applause as he goes off. All right. Uh, we'll take a break. When we come back here on the show, 844-204-RICH, number to dial. Take your calls, and we'll tell you who's on our show next week. Good times. What companies would you want to work for? Just Capital is a nonprofit that tracks which companies are a force for good. Companies like Bank of America, which just earned the prestigious Just Capital 2024 seal. Bank of America is ranked number one in the banking industry and number one for their ongoing commitment to workers, offering best-in-class benefits, including a minimum wage of $25 an hour by 2025. Visit JustCapital.com to learn how a just business is a better business. Furnished by Just Capital. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Title Transference aired October 27, 2004. Director James Marshall, writers Todd Slavkin, Darren Swimmer. I really like this episode, and I'm surprised that you don't like it as much as you thought you did. I actually respect your opinion more than I respect my own in general. (laughs) (laughs) When you say things are good and I check them out, they are. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen. So I tell Mark Norman and yeah. Shane Gillis, my two openers. Yes. I say, hey, we're doing the Mullet Arena. We'll do two shows. We do one show mm-hmm. Saturday night. Mm-hmm. Sells out at Friday. Sells out at Wednesday, at Thursday. Mm-hmm. Doing four shows. Uh, guys, it's a little treat. Super Bowl tickets on me. Good seats. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> hundred and twenty-five thousand dollars well you're going for the primo primo if you're yeah, talking about well, I, that. Didn't, I didn't know my wife called and she goes they just took one hundred twenty-five thousand dollars out of our account is, is something going on do you need to talk to me about something are you going to south africa for a month i was like no we're going to the super bowl i don't even like either of the teams this is the rub Oh, no. They don't tell you your seats until Friday. Get out of here. You don't know where you're sitting. I don't even know who I gave the money to. Oh, my God. I don't even know. This guy was like, you know, $125,000. I don't give it to you. like Bernie Mayo's client. Like, I'm just sitting there going, so you you think Bitcoin's going to really do well? Turns out Matt Damon said we're cool. (laughs) I heard Tom Brady's involved. This should be a win-win run. I'm sorry, I'm (laughs) laughing so hard and crying. I don't even know who I I don't even know when I get my (laughs) (laughs) ticket. It's the the greatest heist ever. Until we tell you who's on our show this coming week in Las Vegas. Everybody needs to make sure you understand you can stream 
listening to the Super Bowl on Westwood One for free, sponsored by AutoZone. Hopefully all season long you've been listening to every Westwood One broadcast of the NFL Live on the NFL app by asking Alexa to open Westwood One Sports or on your Westwood One affiliate stations, digital platforms. Kevin Harlan, Kurt Warner on the call, and you can stream it for free by also getting in the zone with AutoZone. AutoZone's free battery testing and charging is available for free at your local AutoZone. Restrictions apply. Get in the zone. AutoZone. Rich in Temecula has been hanging on forever. What's up, Richard? How are you, sir? Good. Happy New Year, guys. Remember Super Bowl. I say it till the Super Bowl, so Happy New Year. Same to you. Until next week. It works. I'll take it. It's my birthday, February. So I go in every year. I'm buddies with Lee Steinberg, Dave Meltzer, Warman, great guys. I go every year. So okay. I played, I played a little ball in my day. You know, I was recruited by UW in 89 out of Seattle. Brunel was there. And then I went down to Oregon State and saw Damon Hurd. So back then we didn't really have stars. I was like a three-star kid, four-star. They're all four or five-star guys. You're so five to me, Rich. To, yeah, man. Ended up going to Washington State, trying to play a little football, baseball. But I've been around the game. Okay. I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, my predictions. I'm going to say Lamar played like a high school crowd. I mean, that was the worst quarterback in play I've ever seen in my life. So KC pulled that one out. I was close in that uh, San Francisco-Detroit game. It was just one touchdown. I think I said 27-24. ended up, what, 34-31. So yeah. I think I was pretty accurate there. Um, I'm going to take San Francisco, 27-20. I think they're going to make a return, play a little better defense on uh, Kansas City this year. But <clears throat> I just want to say, hopefully I'll run into you guys next week. You got it, Rich. Take San, yeah, take San Francisco in that Super Bowl. And hopefully I'll see you guys next week, man. Rich and Temecula, Let's everybody. All done. Thank you. Hopefully we'll see you before we get to our Vegas scenario. I got to push back real quick. The wor- Lamar was the worst quarterback play he's ever seen. Well, uh, come well, on, well I do. I wanted to hit on that. Oh my, sorry. That's okay. Know. That's fine. Um, I've, yeah, we'll push back. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, he he looked pretty good in tying the game. He made some throws to Zay Flowers, as we know, um, an unfortunate occurrence for Baltimore. Two of them uh, occurred right on the goal line. Legereus Sneed made the play, but the thing that really is the ultimate head scratcher at the end of the day outside of the lack of composure so many times by so many stars on the defensive side of the ball right the biggest head scratcher that i think ravens fans are going to be scratching their heads about for a long time were just six called running plays for their running backs that's it six and it's not like the game was 30 to 7, you know what I mean? Yeah. It was 17 to 7 for a long time. Exactly. You didn't have to change the script. And today the Ravens had their league mandated exit press conference with the media and John Harbaugh was asked about this. That's not the number you want to have when it's all said and done you look back on it. That's not really going to win us an AFC Championship game for sure. Uh, it's more than just calling plays, you know. We had in that game a Big part of our game plan were RPOs, which are run-pass options, based on what the defense gives you, cans and check-with-me's, which are run-pass options a lot of times. Sometimes they're pass-to-pass, which we had. Sometimes they're run-to-run. But a lot of what we were doing was directed at the line of scrimmage by what the defense gave us. And the defense was lined up to take away the run. So you, you, the next thing would be to bring it in tight and, um, and just run the ball at heavy formations and, and wide receivers blocking the edge and protecting the edge that way. We could have done that, but we were down. So we wanted to keep the formations open and give ourselves the best chance to, you know, try to move the ball and score points. Uh, it's not, you know, an excuse. You want to run the ball more. Sometimes you've got to be willing to get big and run the ball that way. 
we just didn't want to do it that way in the game, and it, it cost us the opportunity to run the ball more. So there you have it. Does that make sense to everybody out there? No? I mean, just, I mean no. you don't want to make an excuse. You're ma- we're literally making an Well, excuse, I mean, he's right? letting you know that um, the, the, de- the defense dictated what, what happened. And I guess the responsibility, well, they'll don't let the defense dictate it. You dictate it. But it's kind of crazy. I do. I just, just the guys, it's just kind of crazy all season long. It's like this offense has totally changed. It yep. just doesn't depend on just a one dimensional thing that you can't come back with just the way that the Ravens did it. If you say you're down 10 in an AFC championship game and now we're sitting here saying, why don't you do more of what you used to do? It really is something that Ravens fans are going to take a while to try and square that circle, you know? Yeah. And um, but it, I think it just comes down to it. There is a championship team on a dynastic roll that strolled into town, and they're going to Vegas next week. And so are we. Yes, I think we're dynastic as well. <laughs> we relay that to the Emmy board. Nice. <laughs> oh, you just got to keep doing it. Just keep showing up. You know, it's an honor to be nominated. Keep showing up. It's, it's not. It's, it's not guaranteed. It's like Dan Campbell. Success is Excuse not me. guaranteed. You know what though? We have to take it. Here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna keep on taking kneecaps, and what we're gonna do is yeah. we're gonna try and take over Las Fight Vegas em. best we can with our show. We're gonna be at the Super Bowl experience once oh. again, and you're gonna join us live on the Roku channel every single day, noon to three Eastern, just like always. And we're gonna be there starting Wednesday. Obviously, we've got shows Monday and Tuesday. All lined up, but the guest list on Wednesday, very, very pleased about it. You can put it up on the screen if you don't mind. Our first guest is going to be the host of NFL Honors. Keegan-Michael Key will join us. And then Steve Young and Rod Woodson will come out of the green room straight from Canton. Seth Rollins is back again. Remember, he was there with us last year. Superstar Seth Rollins, my boy, Baker. Hey! And then Justin Jefferson, one of the finest in the game today. Hey, now. That's our Wednesday show. By the way, you like our you that, like our Rich Eisen show Vegas logo? Yes. That's just Wednesday. Hey, that's let just me tell Wednesday. You, that's uh, that's not a bad lineup. Here comes Thursday. Thursday's guest list in Las Vegas, Nevada. First up, Joe Montana. Oh, he was really yeah. good. Max Crosby. He might win Defensive Player of the Year that night. Woo. Um, Deion Sanders will then show up. He's going to get up, and an Emmett and Irv will sit down together. Wow. Oh, I mean, yes. this is like my dream. I mean, Charles DJ. Woodson will hopefully bring some intercept wine before Kurt Warner Bourbon. finishes up our Thursday. Kurt Warner. Friday is going to be, as the kids say, lit. Sean Payton is first Ooh. up. Sebastian right. Maniscalco will join us to wrap yeah. up hour one. Rob Gronkowski and Julian Edelman together, they'll get up, and Tom Segura and Burke Kreischer will take <laughs> I mean, their seats. Oh, my God, help us. <laughs> and back then back. Kenny Chesney oh. wraps up hour two. Greg Olson, hour three, and yes, we might even add a guest or two as well. The Roku channel will also be home to a weekend-long special in which our guests are Sam Hartman of Notre Dame football and Puka Nakua, and we're going to be adding guests to that. All my boys are on the show. That's how we're strolling into Las Vegas and hopefully giving you a sense of what the Super Bowl is going to be like in the first time in a town where Mo Green, for some reason, has no plaque or yeah. sign post to Why remember not? he no. founded the town. He did. And that's how we're rolling in with our friends with the Roku channel, brought to you by uh, Into a TurboTax as well. We've got some other sponsors that we're going to be eager to tell you about next week. And we just love our relationship with the Roku channel and this Rich Eisen Show terrestrial radio affiliate through 
our friends at Westwood One. That's how we're rolling into town, but that's next Wednesday. Next Monday, Chris Long will be first up joining us. Lincoln Riley will be on Monday's show. Jim Nance, Kevin Burkhart Hello, friends. on Tuesday with Andrew Whitworth as well. Viva Rich Eisen Show.